Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. It's the breakfast huddle with Elliot Danka and Ryan Huang. It is time now for our Eurowatch segment where we take a look at headlines coming out of Europe. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, is he struggling to keep his party in line? Plus, we'll also talk about what to expect from the upcoming ASEAN EU political summit. On the line with me this morning is Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Elliot. How are we feeling about England versus France for the World Cup? We've got to settle this one first. <laughs> uh, I'm not feeling very confident about that game, but I do believe the winner of that game could probably win the World Cup. Okay, so you are sounding like a, how should I say, a seasoned World Cup supporter. Nowadays, you just be cautious with regard to England. It comes yeah. home when it comes home. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, speaking of England, Chris, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, some observers have commented that Mr. Sunak has been giving in to Tory MPs. What's your perspective of this? Is he caving in? I think he's struggling to find balance to make sure that his party uh, remains on side with Mm. him. You know, the UK is facing a number of difficult issues at the moment, not just with the economy, but uh, a number of other areas as as well. And, you know, things like the the U-turns on housing, the U-turns on onshore wind farms uh, aren't showing a, a particularly good sight. I think most people thought he would come in, it would be grown up politics, managerial style politics. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid his backbenchers aren't necessarily falling into line at the moment. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we also see the Conservative Party sort of breaking into camps. Um, is he trapped in some kind of like, a, I don't know, like a Tory civil war or something like that? Well, unfortunately, I think at this stage of most Tory governments we'd see previously, it's the way they end up going. Uh, the backbench MPs get nervous about forthcoming election. I know it's some couple of years away still. Uh, and they start jostling for positions. They're trying to show to their electorate in their constituencies that we don't necessarily back everything the government is mm. doing. So this is not an unusual pattern. Uh, the problem with Richard Sunak is, you know, he needs to have a stable government. Yeah. He needs to be showing strong government. Uh, we're looking at a winter that's coming up with lots of strikes coming up in the UK by the looks of it. And he needs to be showing that, you know, I am a strong man and I can lead my party and I can lead the country. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that's going to cause some divisions. Yeah, and, and when you have that not-so-good-for-business sentiment, you talk about strikes. The government is looking at bringing in the military. Have you seen this situation or experienced such a situation before where the military gets involved in, in stopping strikes? What's your opinion of you know, how effective that would be, especially from businesses looking at the UK? Well, unfortunately, Ed, I'm old enough to remember the winter of discontent oh in 78 and 79, <laughs> uh, where the military were deployed. We had firemen striking and the military were providing cover uh, for the fire services. Uh, so it's not an unprecedented position. I think at the moment they're looking at possibly bringing the military in to run passport checks at, uh, at the UK's airports and, and borders mm. uh, because the border force people are they going to go on strike. And I can't I understand why. You've got to keep the country open. Yeah. You can't have a country like the UK saying you can't come in because we haven't got anybody to check your passport. Mm, okay. Chris, let's move on to, to talk about the European ban and price cap on Russian oil. That one went live this week, $60. I suppose, firstly, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, is the US and EU achieving what they want? Some are actually calling for a lower cap. Well, some are calling for a lower cap, but $60 was clearly a compromise uh, mm. number, which came out after some pretty difficult and short negotiations. Uh, what are they trying to do? They're obviously trying to, to tighten the screws more on Russia, trying to cut off the money supply, whilst at the same time trying to ensure that for those European countries that do need Russian oil to get them through the winter, they can still get it. And that's why the cap only applies to seaborne oil as well. But the whole idea is, of course, you know, 
if they are if someone's trying to buy the oil above that cap and it's been carried by by ships at sea, it won't get insured. Well, at least won't get insured by European or American insurers or Australian insurers. Um, so there are some loopholes there. Mm. I think they're just doing. They're trying to do their best in a very politically fraught and difficult situation. Mm. Okay, fair point. I mean, but we're also getting news out this morning. You've got like Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser warning of a recession next year. Very concerned about Europe. There are a lot of things making people nervous. Coming back to the Russia situation, Vladimir Putin put it not ruling out the use of atomic weapons. I suppose my question then is: Can we anticipate perhaps more sanctions on Russia? I think the EU certainly have got to find ways to put more sanctions on Russia. That's a question of what else they could do going yeah. forward at the moment. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you, within the EU itself, you have some countries who really don't want the screws tightened any further on Russia. Mm. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a difficult winter. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Mm. I think we are heading for a recession in Europe and probably elsewhere in the world. It may well spread even further beyond the borders of the West. At the same time, it's even well telegraphed. But this winter is going to be tough. It's going to be tough in Europe. It's obviously going to be extremely tough in Ukraine. Um, I think we just have to wait and see how this one pans out. Yeah, really putting the sentiment on how 2023 is going to look, especially in the first quarter. We've got ASEAN leaders set to meet their EU counterparts next week at the ASEAN-EU Political Summit. I'm sure that'll be a topic of conversation. It is the first time that these guys are meeting exclusively since the EU was granted strategic partnership status by ASEAN earlier this year. What can we expect as far as discussions at this summit? Now, first of all, it's a tremendous uh, event that's taking place there in Brussels next week. The council itself is running its own business event alongside the political summit. What can we expect out of it? I think we can expect closer alignment on a number of issues. I think the EU will push for some strong statements about Russia and Ukraine and hopefully get ASEAN to sign up to it. But in terms of EU-ASEAN relations, we are really, really hoping that uh, announcements of the recommencement of trade negotiations with the Philippines, with Thailand, with Malaysia uh, should be on the cards. Uh, a lot more work on connectivity and particularly on support for digital economy to Southeast Asia. And then I would expect the EU, given what it's trying to do uh, in general, a lot of support for the region on climate action and on sustainability issues. Mm. That's what we hope will come out of it. And then forging just closer ties and perhaps even an announcement of a further summit in the not-too-distant future. How much of pressure is on ASEAN to sort of reveal or take a stronger stand with regard to the Ukraine or the Russia situation? And the only reason I'm asking that is because the EU has been very firm on this. Is this something that could potentially come up? I think it will come up without a doubt. Um, If you look back at some of the UN votes earlier in the year, uh, ASEAN was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of support for Ukraine. Some were clear in the support and some were sitting on the fence. Uh, I think views have been hardening a bit. There is clearly an impact of the war in Southeast Asia, not just on energy prices, but on food security, supplies of fertilizers, etc. So people here are feeling it. I think the real sign of how ASEAN might feel really came from Indonesia's G20 um, arrangements back in Bali last month, uh, where actually there were some pretty strong statements. And I think you might see uh, a lot of pressure from the EU for ASEAN to echo those strong statements. All right, I've been speaking with Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead. All right, thanks, Adip. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.